0: Today on TMJ Syndrome, politics tax our patience, we say goodbye to a legend, and the Microsoft conglomerate grows just a little bit bigger. I'm Mitch. I'm Tim. I'm Jason. Let's do it. Mitch and Jason. Yeah. yeah. Got something to say. Okay. What's that, Tim? Well, I got to get it off my chest. So, and I just got, I just got to get out, and I just got to get out and say it. And I don't know, I had to talk about it because it's been bothering me. <sighs> you know, when this when this po- podcast is published, it'll be over a week since the election in Arizona. In this show, we typically try to avoid politics. The last election had one of the more important choices that Arizonans have had in a long time. Both options represented clear and different visions for what the future of Arizona would look like. Both options had the betterment of Arizona as their goal. I would like to take this opportunity to say that Arizona chose wrong. The Arizona people chose wrong and overwhelming me, voting yes on Proposition 126. How dare they? How dare they? That's the proposition that would limit any new taxes on services, and it's going to greatly limit the flexibility of our lawmakers to change or update the revenue streams for our state. What do you guys think about that?
1: I actually voted against it, so I thought that that's a weird. It was a, it was a weird way it was labeled.
0: Yeah, I think it's sort of it's sort of interesting how that one played out. So it ultimately played out as it's a anti-tax law, right? And basically most anything in Arizona, it's like, if it's all about anti-taxes, then people are just going to be like, yeah, I don't like taxes. Vote yes. And I it, this one was interesting in that it was, I think it was like unanimously opposed by like both sides of, of the, of the aisle or whatever. So Sort of interesting, but uh, so do you yeah. think
1: it do you think it got passed because of people not quite understanding it then like they they maybe saw it as an anti-taxing or.
0: Yeah, least- I think it's partly that and I think it's partly because there was no concerted effort against it because I don't think anybody wants to come out against I, I don't think. I don't think anyone wants to come out as the person defending more more taxes, right? So it's kind of a tough position for anyone in power to be in.
1: I wasn't defending more taxes, but the way it was labeled, it sounded like it was in its own right, could be creating winners and losers by exempting one group of, of businesses versus oh, yeah. another. That's I mean, what that, I didn't like about it.
0: I think that's exactly what it's gonna end up doing. I guess we'll see. And if it ends up having really negative consequences, well we can always we can always do our voting thing again, man. So
1: well, any of the Let's other see. proposals was there any ones that caught your radar that passed that you didn't like or?
0: Uh, I mean there's there's other ones that there there's other ones that went about the ways that I, I think they were they were gonna go. We had our we had the uh the uh what's it called? The environmental one where it's trying to create Oh that one did renewable. not pass, right? No, it didn't pass. And it was funny. Like some uh, that had some of the most hilarious campaigns against it. Things like, you know, keep your keep your California out of my Arizona was a big one because the whole the whole opposing argument was that they were having, uh, like California style legisl- uh regulations in Arizona. <laughs> so yeah, that one went down in a fire too.
1: Um Speaking of that kind of, I guess you could say advertising, uh, I've been browsing there. I was browsing the Reddits today like I normally did, and it seems I, – I can't po- find the article for it because it was an older post, but I did I did view it. And it looks like there is an anti-California sentiment in Portland where people with California cars that moved out there are getting vandalized and are getting spray-painted saying, go back to California.
0: Oh, my God. And like, That's like –
1: Yeah, like Portland is like a a quote unquote very liberal like city, which is funny that they don't want them there either. (laughs) (laughs) Because like these California expats, if that's the right word, are like going everywhere except like the Midwest. They're like, no, I'm not going to do that. We're going to go to Texas. We're going to Arizona, Colorado, Washington, Oregon. But we're not going to go in the Midwest. But yeah, I think that's funny. (laughs)
0: God, that's funny.
1: It sounds like it seems like the major worry people are having that are in at least red states is that they're gonna have the same policy. They're gonna try to vote in the same types of policies that cause them to move in the first place. You know what I'm saying? No, no.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could you could be like like people from California moving to places, stuff like that. Is that? What yeah, you mean? but
1: and then they're gonna come in and try to vote in similar policies that just cause them to move from California in the first place.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably not that far off. I think a lot of that, I think a lot of those policies more have to do, like, just just the larger population centers tend to need different policies, right? Yeah. And that's just, that's just less a nature of the fact that people from an area move to your area, and I think it's more of a feature of there's just more people in the area. Right. Um, it's like... You know, like, that's why I always think it's it's interesting how we have how we have our government uh, set up where it's very representative to individual areas, right? Because, like, a state like Wyoming, where there's less than, like, three people per square mile or something like that, has a lot of different, has lots of, like, different ideas, probably has a lot of different needs than an area like New York, where it's, like, ridiculously, there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Or California. So, yeah. Well,
1: if you're from California and you live in Portland, you might want to change your license plate. You
0: probably change your license plate so you don't get vandalized.
1: Yeah. Piss off the locals.
0: Well, I will say this, though. Uh, You know, regardless of what you voted for or who you were voting for or anything like that, uh, one really cool thing is that this this midterm election saw a um, little bit more than 47% of the amount of voting eligible uh, peoples casted a ballot. And that is the, uh, like, obviously, you know, that's nowhere near 100%. But it is the highest turnout for a midterm since 1966. That's crazy. Where, the, where it was 49%. In 1966. That's it's, awesome. That's crazy. People,
1: more people yeah. should do it. Like, I know you guys do the mail-in thing. I, I, I get up early as fuck to do it in the morning, but you should just go. Just yeah. go and do it.
0: I mean, gotta vote. Can't have, can't complain if you didn't vote. And I did vote, so I get to complain. See how that works? It's pretty nice. Stanley's dead. Aw.
1: Aw but in in positivity, the guy has lived a long life like a really successful long life. Um, the only the only thing sad about it is that apparently he was suffering some elder abuse in his last couple years um even like Kevin Smith commented on it um, the people who were in charge of taking care of him were basically fucking around. I don't know the full details um i I know when it first came out like people or denying it as a conspiracy theory, but then it finally did come out that there was some elder abuse happening, and the whole Kevin Smith thing happened, saying, that, yeah, Stan, you can come live with me. So that's, that's the only thing sad, but beyond that, the guy is a, a hero, basically. Um, I've had issues with Stan Lee, though, as a comic book fan, not in the sense of what he's created, but how I, sometimes it would often get downplayed about people who helped him create things like Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. Does that make sense?
0: So, but know. what's that? I oh, I don't know the background of that. So I don't know what you're talking about. Um, most of the characters of Stanley
1: is, has been labeled to be like the main creator. He didn't create on his own. So like Spider-Man, he did not create on his own. It was, it was, it was him and Steve Ditko. Um, a lot of the, of the golden age characters that you know like the fantastic 4 and the x men and um the avengers and like that were co-created with jack kirby so Stan Lee was the writer and steve Ditko and jack kirby were the
0: artists so why did why did it end up where like Stan Lee got most of the credit for those things cuz obviously the art's super important um i and just knows about who the character is right just optics and it's still the it's still
1: kind of prevalent today. Uh, you often will know the writer of the comic more than you would know the artist. So like for uh, the last, I don't know, 10 years, if you think about Spider-Man, you think Dan Slott. Because Dan Slott has been writing Spider-Man on and off for the last 10 years. But you probably don't know the artists who are doing the drawing for it. And that's one of my biggest criticisms of Western comics is we swap around artists on comic books out here like crazy. Uh, like the first 10 issues could be done by one guy and the next 10 issues could be done by another guy. So it's like the complete opposite how Japan does it. Like if you are reading a manga series written by Akira Toriyama, the creator of Dragon Ball, then it's always Akira Toriyama.
0: So like, okay, so mean someone that doesn't read comic books really ever uh can you see the difference in art style isn't that like absolutely you can so like isn't that i i i mean the only thing i could really compare that to would be like when you have a um like an anime or a cartoon or something like that right where they uh or not even that but just even a show where they change the actor midway through a season or midway, you know, half in between two different seasons and they're playing the same character, but it's a completely different actor. I would think that you'd get the same feel on that. If, if you're reading a comic and all of a sudden you go to the next issue and <laughs> the art style is completely different. Like, yeah. Super jarring, right.
1: I, I feel that way. And I think, I think that might be one. I have no evidence for this. It's all anecdotal, but I think that might be one reason why comic book sales have declined over the last 20 years is, is I, I feel like, you lose that connection when you get the art style changed up all the time, and that's 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 been something that we have perpetuated here since comics began. Though, like you have a different, uh, like Kirby, for example, did for the longest time was the primary um, person at at Marvel and 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 DC at one point too, on several different issues. And then as the comic uh, industry boomed, they brought in more artists and stuff like that. And then for some reason. This new model of swapping out the, um, the the penciler, the inker, and the colorist based on issue all the time just became a thing. Um, I'm I don't know the history behind it. I just find it annoying. I've always found it annoying, and it's still a thing, and it, it shouldn't be a thing. Um, I know you had mentioned The Walking Dead here. That's one reason why uh, I respect Kirkman because he's kind of, he's kind of built his own empire away from the major the major. Uh, two. And I kind of feel like uh, the future of comics, if comics are going to survive here, because honestly, even though DC is owned by Warner Brothers and Marvel's owned by Disney, uh, comics are still sales wise are in decline. And But the movies that they're creating are, are up, which is re- why Warner Brothers cleaned house on a lot of their movie stuff, because they know the future of their properties of their comic book characters isn't in the print. It's in the movies. So there's just like this, this gap here. If comic books are going to survive, it's going to have to come from somewhere else. It's going to have to come from indies and other people willing to, that don't want to put up a business to publish comics. That, Cause it's not going to come from the big two in my mind.
0: I mean, do you think that the money is really there?
1: I think there's a market for it. Um, manga sales in the, for example, in the United States are huge. Manga has a huge fan base um, and it comes from another country.
0: Like even bigger than like American yes. comics, fuck loads, huh? So do you think that's do you think that's more just specifically because of the like? There's the difference in like art style and quality and all that. Like, do you think it's just um, a quality problem? C-
1: consistency and it's more bang for your buck. So like last time, uh, Mitch probably did this. Go to the Barnes and Nobles, and right in the manga section and the comic book section are in the same area. And there'll be three to four shelves dedicated to manga and one tiny little shelf dedicated to comic books.
0: Yeah, they, like the last time I was in a Barnes and Noble, um I think there was like a. it was a couple it was a couple of years ago when I was looking for comics slash manga, but um there was a couple of sections for uh comics, and the only really the only real reason that there was is because they were separated Marvel DC. But then there was an entire row dedicated to to manga. Um, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, so I have a couple theories on that. For example, um, manga isn't sold per chapter like Western comics are. So in Japan, for example, all manga that's popular is tied to a magazine like Shonen Jump so you get them you go to your 711 or you go to a bookstore and you buy Shonen Jump and Shonen Jump has all the latest chapters of all the things that they're publishing so you get you get you know you get a lot of you get a lot of content for that and then once enough chapters are comprised to a volume then they release the volume as a book so that a volume could be you know 10 to 15 bucks but you've got I don't know seventy some odd pages worth of content. So when you see that versus I'm gonna pay up to four ninety nine now for a fifteen page comic book, or I can pay fifteen dollars for a seventy page manga. I think that makes a difference. Also with manga, like I've always thought, you have a more. Um, Connection with the author because oftentimes the auth uh, in manga the magaka ka is the writer and the artist and the inker and all the things. Sometimes if they're really popular like like One Piece or DBZ, they'll have assistants that help them do with backgrounds and stuff. But they're still usually writing out the main um, characters and stuff like that, which is a problem of its own too because that that creates what they call fatigue. In Japan, and there's a lot of there's like a lot of issues with trying to keep up with like weekly manga sales and stuff like that. But, but yeah, that's that's my opinion. So to answer your question, yes, there's a market here, and no one's capitalizing on it.
0: Do you think that because based on what you're describing, it kind of sounds like the problem might be that they're it's almost like the price point about how much content they're willing to give, like the amount of dollars they're asking for content is so is too much. They're saying like $4, what do you say, $5 for 17 pages? Something like that, 17, versus, 20 pages. $15 for 79 pages. Like, that's just a better value if you go for the manga, right? Yeah. And it's like, because I wonder, that's like, that's almost like your, your classic problem that a lot of video games have, right? Where they, they try to do, like, oh my God, let's do all this DLC. It ends up being like $180 for all the content. It's just people are like over it, and then your sales suffer
1: yeah well it's it's like to go back to stanley it's it's quite the achievement for him to have transcended mediums so he went from comics to animation to major motion pictures so that can't be downplayed that's really awesome and the future of marvel and dc in my mind is going to be movies and games and animation um i foresee that the comic part will probably slowly dwindle away but maybe they'll just
0: fund it for I mean cuz right now it like they just maybe they just fund it so that they have like kind of an influx of potential story content for their movies, right? They, have they don't f- even necessarily They have don't to even do need well.
1: new content. They have so much content from from the 50s and beyond that they'll never run out.
0: <laughs> never say die. Never right. say never.
1: Um and that's probably one reason why they're not not necessarily focusing on that too much.
0: And yeah, the stories.
1: Yeah, the stories coming out of Marvel Now are all trash anyway. Like they're they're real bad. Um and it's not worth the 499, 399 price point. Um one thing I will give props to DC is they have not jumped on that bandwagon. I think the I think you can find comics um in DC between two ninety nine and three ninety nine still. So
0: that's good at least.
1: Yeah. But um it's there is a market. For Western comics, um, it was waiting for someone to innovate on it. Uh, I don't predict a major two will. I, I like I said, I think they they've moved on, they've transcended mediums, um, and that's why you are getting this major reboot with DC. Like somebody at Warner Brothers knows that there is money in this, even though like the DC EU has failed spectacularly. They're not they're not scrapping it technically, but they are doing a soft reboot with like Shazam. And it sounds like I, I was reading the other day that um, they're going to be doing a flashpoint type thing with the new Wonder Woman movie. That's one reason why it got delayed. So they're that's doing, a, yeah, they're doing a soft reboot with that. So they'll keep Gal Gadot, but like the, you might, that's why you might get a new Superman, which is what's very likely. We had talked about Henry, Henry the problems with Henry Cavill in a uh, re- uh, previous episode. So instead of having the Flash, they're going to have. Um, Wonder Woman have it, and one of the things that people are speculating is that Wonder Woman's going to make a deal or do something to bring Street Steve Trevor back to life, and then that's going to create a flashpoint type paradox in the DCEU. But my point is, they they're, they even though they've lost so much money on it, some executive there realizes that the wind has changed and they have to keep going forward with this because the money isn't in comics for them.
0: Yeah, man, it it makes sense, right? Yeah, like they, like they're always gonna go, they're always gonna go wherever the money is, and like you make big bucks in, in big movie releases, so
1: yeah. And as long you know, as people it's,
0: are going, continuing to go to see it.
1: Yeah, and one thing that's always baffled me, if we're gonna stay on the comic subject, is like one thing in North America has specifically, like Canada and, and the United States and Mexico, is we have a really good web comic industry that I don't think either the creators aren't capitalizing on. I don't cause there's only a couple that I know of that actually sell physical copies of their web comic. And one of them is like Sinfest does they're published by dark horse, dark horse. Um, I know, uh, what looking for group does. That's the one that you like Mitch.
0: Yeah. I think they self publish, I think, or maybe yeah. not. I don't know.
1: Um, they probably do. I think they do. Cause they have their own booth, um, but they might actually have a publisher who knows, but, uh, all you gotta do is get some sort of like publisher to have a coalition of of, of somebody's webcomics and then that could be a thing, but who knows? Like the Japanese are really good at the, about that too. Like for example, One Punch Man was a Japanese webcomic first. You can go read it for free now. Like it's amazing. And they re- they're they're really good about that now, um, because they realize that uh that, that, that that's a that's a untapped medium. So, I don't know. I'm a big fan of comics. I, I wouldn't want them to go away, but um, I do see, I do predict that the big two will slowly dwindle away from comics, and then um, we're just waiting for someone else to come up and pick up the mantle. So, in the end, thanks, Stan Lee, for creating a giant industry, and that an industry that transcended the original medium, which is something to be applauded, but um, now if we want to keep that the original medium comics going and we ourselves have to do it. That's my view. Okay. So if you guys play wasteland Two,
0: no, have you played pillars of eternity? Uh, kind of, um, so I wanted to play that game and I, I was coming off of a high after playing, uh, divinity original sin Two, And I know that, uh, with Pillars of Eternity to Deadfire, the critical role cast did a lot of the voice acting for it. So I got kind of hyped about that game and I started to play it. And then I realized that it wasn't anything like Divinity Original Sin 2. <laughs> and so then I stopped playing.
1: Yeah, I'm not a, a real big fan of the Pillars game. And I actually was an original backer, just, just so everyone knows. Um I was the $150 tier for the first game. And so... Oh, yeah. uh, I went in as a fan and I did not like the game, but that's not necessarily my point. Um, it turns out the two developers, so Wasteland 2 was developed by in Exile Entertainment and Pillars of Eternity was uh, developed by Obsidian. Uh, both those studios were uh, purchased by Microsoft over the weekend, um, which is interesting because both those studios have a um, similarity in the sense that they were all old developers for Black Isle Entertainment who was under the Interplay banner who was started by Brian Fargo. And Obsidian was started by old um, Black Isle employees. And then in, in Exile, the other company was actually started by Brian Fargo, the guy who owned Interplay. So they're all connected. These are people who worked with each other before. Um, so they were purchased by Microsoft, uh, which is interesting because as far as major triple a games obsidian has only made fallout new vegas um alpha protocol knights of the republic 2 and like dungeon siege the rest have been kind of indie titles and in exile has only made indie titles so wasteland 2 um torment signs of new tides of numenera the bard's tale and wasteland 3 which is interesting because wasteland 3 was kickstarted and still in development and now under the microsoft umbrella
0: so now we're going to get it for free with our subscription to the microsoft store
1: um i don't know because what's interesting about that specifically is like that game could come out as normal but uh in the kickstarter it did say that one of the platforms they're making it for was ps4 so i would imagine contractually they have to honor that still even though they're now owned by microsoft right
0: Well, funny enough, like Microsoft's philosophy lately has been they just want their stuff to be on any platform. It doesn't matter where where it is. It's just kind of like they go wherever they they go, whatever platform that they have their have their um, have the ability to to be on, you know, and just like they just want to make money and just want people to be buying their product.
1: Yeah, but do you think they want them on? Do you want a game on a Sony console?
0: Yeah, I mean I think that they would they could potentially like why not make make games for Sony, make money off of somebody else's platform, right? Then people are buying stuff that you that is something that you like. That's um that's your that's your game on their on their platform. Like why not?
1: I don't I, I don't on it, well, unless they're trashing Xbox next generation, I don't foresee them wanting to do that though. Like I could see them having it on PC and Xbox, they want that synergy. But I, I just don't, I don't know if, like, the. I think they, here's what my, here's what I think would happen. I think they'll, like, for example, Wasteland 3, the, it'll go to PS4 due to contractual ob- uh, obligations. But I don't think the Microsoft heads would like that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I can see them actually coming out and saying, you know, this is going to be a Microsoft-exclusive product it could now. could change that, too, yeah. Like, oh, um, fuck you. This is a, <laughs> this is only a. Xbox game now. Well, I think one of their
1: goals... Oh, sorry. What were we going to say?
0: Oh, I was just going to say it is interesting because um, a statement that Microsoft said about buying in Exile was that as like they will be part of Microsoft Studios, but they will have... And so that will give them the support and freedom to fully realize uh, its creative ambitions on both existing franchises and new products and the stu- the studio will continue to operate autonomously and bring its unique talents, IP, and expertise to Microsoft Studios as they build new RPG experiences for our players and fans. So it sounds like they're, for, as far as In Exile is concerned, they're bringing them on and they're saying, "Hey, you know, you want to develop some cool stuff? We like what you're doing. Here's some resources. Make us money."
1: Yeah. Well, I kind of think in the back of my head, though, even though they say they're going to be autonomous, I. Could see Obsidian and Exiled as being combined over time. Because only the reason I say that is because the devs and the management all come from a similar place.
0: Do you think that they're two different companies though? Because it's like two two different like pieces of the company that were like people that didn't really like each other, like created animosity, well, and now they went off to two different places.
1: Possibly, like Obsidian's management, I think, is kind of fucked uh my boy Chris Avalon who's like one of my favorite RPG writers of all time he left due to shady management over there and he was a co-founder for Obsidian and he's been on a he's been in a rant on twitter since this this microsoft thing and he's like microsoft please clean out upper management keep the keep the devs and the writers but clean out the corrupt management because the managers over there are pretty corrupt and uh there's been there's been you can you can see that kind of like in some of their old products um, uh, Knights of the Republic 2 for example it was um, notoriously rushed to get the full experience now you need to, you need to download a mod that that restores a lot of the old content and makes it make sense and a lot of that had to do with the management of obsidian not negotiating contracts correctly in terms of making something making sure the game came out within a a reasonable time so
0: yeah because didn't they didn't they drop a lot of content they, in? they that dropped game? a shit ton where like the story didn't make sense when you were playing yeah and you
1: can you can thankfully get you, you can thankfully get all of it almost from the restored content patch and it's a whole different game and i recommend anybody who's a fan of the the knights of republic games to go back and play that mod because that game is actually really good um, it was really good on its vanilla game. It's much, much better on its, on its, um, restore content.
0: So like, is that like, is all the content that that, is that mod just unlocking content that's already there or it, is it like it, it a was, mod from some people who
1: the mod unlocks content that was on the disc.
0: Oh, okay. So, so how did that, how did, if the content already got all the way into the, di- all the way under the disc, like how did it not end up in the game? Who knows? <laughs> it seems like, like it, a lot of effort to put it. It might something. not have been
1: tested content. It could be buggy. It could have been all kinds of stuff. And they just had to get it out because Lucas, Lucas, um, Lucas Arts want the game out. Who knows? But I mean, Obsidian has been notorious with that. Um,
0: gotta get it out. Gotta get out. Star Wars. They've
1: been like Alpha Protocol is a really good game, but uh, very... Underrated video game. I actually, if you guys ever see it on sale, pick it up. It's a spy thriller RPG. It's actually really good. The problem is, that when it came out, it was like a typical Obsidian game. It was buggy as hell. It's like Obsidian has the same track record Bethesda has, where their games are buggy as hell, but they don't get the same amount of um. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Bethesda gets a pass, and 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 Obsidian never does. So. When Alpha Protocol first came out, it was buggy as hell, and it hurt sales. But once everything was fixed, it's a fucking gem. Also directed by my bro, Chris Chris Avalon, or at least he was the main writer for it. But he don't work at Obsidian anymore, so. Um, speaking of Divinity, since you guys like that game so much, he is responsible for the char- the undead character. I think it was Zane. What the hell is that character's name? Uh, Fane. Fane. Yeah, he... he all almost uh, all the backstory and biography and writing is was due to Chris Avalon.
0: Oh, Yeah, because nice. he's went nice.
1: f- completely freelance. So if you like that character, you might like Chris's work. So, but I don't know.
0: I did like that character. That character was great. Yeah,
1: he's like the fan favorite. Um, Chris is really good at like subverting expectations. Like he. In Knights of the Republic 2, for example, he hated the idea of the Force. He, th- he hated the idea of the Sith and the, and, and the Jedi, and he wanted to throw it on its head. Um, and he did. And um, Planescape's Torment, which is probably his most famous title, completely throws the RPG genre on its head. Um, if you like to read, you should play that game. <laughs> There's a lot of dialogue but um as far as microsoft they they're all, they haven't even they've been buying a lot of studios and i think they're they're the reason why they're doing it is they, i think they're going to go toe to toe with sony pretty hard next generation what do you guys think about that
0: yeah man when i look when i was watching e3 last year uh it, their the microsoft panel was very lackluster they didn't really have a whole lot that they were coming out with like a lot there wasn't really any um like main uh, console specific games that come to mind right now that were like really eye catchy. Uh, And everything was just kind of everything that they were going towards was pushing their, their Xbox or Microsoft game pass and and everything to be able to unlock content and play whatever you want and everything. And so it, and then from there they did the, um, that pirate game.
1: Oh, sea of thieves. I don't
0: remember what Yeah, Sea of Thieves, right? And then they they did this. It was actually really cool because they released that game and it's in the Microsoft Store as well as Xbox. Uh, So you can get like the Microsoft Game Pass. And uh, what I ended up doing when that game came out, that game was available uh, day one if you have the Microsoft Game Pass, which was great because I didn't know if I wanted to play that game. Uh, so I signed up for the two-week free trial of the Microsoft Game Pass, which allowed me to install the game on my PC and my Xbox and play it. Uh, and so it, it seems like what they're trying to do is go for both the what can be included with our Game Pass, as well as making games that are compatible for both uh, Xbox and pc especially now since they just released that uh, keyboard and mouse capabilities on the xbox one
1: um explain to me what the game pass is i don't know about it
0: yeah so the microsoft game pass is a subscription that you pay i think it's like 15 bucks a month or something i don't i don't really remember um but you pay a monthly subscription and there's a list of games that you can just play um and you they become available in their store so microsoft store on windows 10 or the xbox store on your xbox and you uh once you have the game pass it's a subscription service that you can just download whatever games are available and you can play them
1: oh that's neat so if you're an xbox live user, though you're like double
0: paying Uh, They have deals so you can do because the Xbox Live is specifically for multiplayer player and there is a deal that you can get for uh, Xbox Live as well as the Game Pass Um, and and it gives you like a little bit of a discount. I don't remember the prices off the top of my head, but I think it's 10 bucks a month for Xbox Live Gold and 15 bucks a month for the Game Pass. But if you do both of them, it's only 20 instead of 25 or something. But uh, I mean, it makes it kind of worth it. Um, in fact, they also released a thing. I don't know if they're still doing it, but I remember seeing a thing Microsoft did where if you signed up for the Game Pass and Xbox Live and you signed like a two-year contract for it, They would give you an Xbox One, uh, for free. What? Yeah. So if you don't have one, uh, like if if you're someone that is looking to buy a game console, and the Xbox Live Game Pass is something that you would buy, and you would also be purchasing Xbox Live Gold so you could play multiplayer, and you if you're planning on buying that and you think that you're going to play it for two years, like that's actually a really good deal. I think we were saying that's like the perfect thing to. For someone's parents to buy, you know, because it's like it's like a super easy bundle that's like, hey, here is everything you need to have fun immediately for a set price. Yeah, and the, and a the, like a reasonable price too, right? Like, I think I think it was like thirty bucks or something like that. I don't, I don't remember. I I'd have to go back and look at prices. This was a a while ago that I was looking at it. In fact, I should try to find that, but um i mean it it wasn't a bad deal to give you an xbox one and they had a couple different tiers depending on which xbox you wanted or something but and again i don't even know if they're still doing that anymore
1: well i've always argued that microsoft should go back to their roots and release all their games on pc and it kind of looks like they're going to be doing that going forward with all their new titles instead of just trying to like get everyone to buy an xbox so i'm cool with that as like a, a primary pc gamer i also like really want Microsoft to knock Sony out of their ass now because of Sony's stupid ass censorship policies, like as soon as you do that you lose me i'll I'll go to the other side immediately so Microsoft buying studios up to compete with Sony. I'm cool with that,
0: yeah, especially if it means that they're gonna you know go through and give uh and release better games, yeah, and may my only thing that I hate with the console specific games is that. I end up having to have both consoles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was the thing that I've been kind of disappointed with, with Microsoft for the past couple of, couple of years. Like I, I have an Xbox one and I got it when it came out, but there really hasn't been any games for it that I've wanted to play or have played. Um, it It's essentially my media machine right now and I use it for Netflix. Uh, but I also have a PlayStation and PlayStation actually has games that are relevant right like they have um they came out with god of war and that was great uh, i bought it when bloodborne was a thing uh and bloodborne was great they're they have the last of us part two that's coming out which will
1: suck they have
0: all- Brand, it's gonna maybe. be great who knows it'll be good uh but like they actually have content and con- console specific content which sucks. Right. I hate having to buy an Xbox or an Xbox just to play one game or a PlayStation just to play one game, but I get it. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe they'll actually have, with these uh, new studios, maybe they'll actually get out some some pretty good games because right now they don't have anything. I'm
1: hoping for it now too because I'm really mad at Sony right now. Like, I honestly don't think I'm going to buy a PS5 just due to their policies and changes they've made.
0: regarding the uh, censorship or yeah, not censorship like the, but like it the-, the, com- or- the complete
1: reverse opposite of what we were talking about with Rainbow Six Siege where they're making Japan um peti- uh, basically capitulate to our standards in the west to release their games so in Japan they have a rating system called CERO which is C E R O um for example uh, for so if you're a Japanese developer and you want to release on PlayStation in Japan you actually have to make your game um use the ESRB system. Which is stupid. Interesting. So it's the exact same opposite, uh, or the reverse problem that we're seeing with Siege, where they're making their build for China and then making us play that same build. Um, but on a, on a different scale. So a lot of these developers, the Japanese developers are jumping ship and going to Nintendo. And these are kind of indie, small indie developers. And they make... They make stupid ass games that I don't really play, but um it's a dumb move it's a it's a really dumb move so that's where I stand there, so yeah, Microsoft buy more Studios and kicks Tony's ass, please, and Nintendo too I think actually Nintendo's uh, slowly encroaching against him in Japan,
0: yeah, I mean, with the switch and. We know how popular uh, mobile games are. Right? And the Switch is definitely trying to beat into that market. Yeah. Uh, I did find the pricing. It's called Xbox All Access is what it's called. And then there's two different prices on it, depending on if you want the Xbox One S or the Xbox One X, which is the, the, the pro version. Um, but it's 24 months. It, it's a 24-month contract and you get the Xbox One S with 24 months of Xbox Game Pass and 24 months of Xbox Live Gold for $22 a month.
1: That's pretty good. And,
0: yeah, I mean, it, essentially, if you're going to be buying an Xbox and you're going to be buying gold and the Game Pass, then it it's worth it because you're going to be paying $22 a month anyway just on the subscription services
1: isn't like the xbox one x like light years more powerful than the ps pro
0: you know i've never done a comparison for it i've heard that the um that the ps4 pro isn't necessarily all that better like it it's better if you're playing at uh at high frame or like at high resolutions and the frame rate is a little bit more stable So like the the actual play is similar, but unless you have unless you like are playing on the pro and then go to play the same game on a normal and then go back to the pro, you're not going to notice a difference. Huh? Well, which is actually they say they say the same thing about uh, monitors, too. Like if you were to go through and buy a like your normal monitor is is 60 hertz, right? So refreshes. Uh, 60 frames per second basically is what that syncs up with if you were to go buy say like a 100 hertz monitor and play a game on it immediately you wouldn't actually see a difference until you uh go back to the 60 hertz and then go back up to 100 yeah it's because your brain is weird and it kind of a it kind of compensates for changes in frame rates But you'll, yeah, I've definitely heard that. You'll notice you'll only notice the difference if you then take the frame rate back down. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's super funny considering that like everyone's like, "Oh my god, you have to get like all all gamers, right?" Or you have to have 144 plus. Which I mean, I get it. It makes sense, you know, mathematically wise when I'm looking at what it's doing, but. if if I'm looking at the screen and I can't even tell the difference when I turn it on, like if I went out and I bought a thousand dollar monitor so I can get a, you know, high frame rate and high resolution and I turned on and I like started playing a game, got a feel for it. Unplugged my monitor, plugged my brand new one in started playing the same game and it looked exactly the same. I'd be really upset. Yeah. Especially if you spend a thousand dollars on a monitor. Yep. That'd be crazy. They have hey. they have monitors pretty high, man. Dude, it's really this this conversation is really funny because like, you know, I was trying to look for a new monitor the other day and I went to I went to Reddit. I'm like, you know, Reddit, tell me tell me what is a good monitor nowadays. And like the whole thread was just about it, it had nothing to do with technology. It was just about how people perceive how people perceive time and how people perceive like, you know, you know, the conversation of how many frames can, can the human eye see and how do we perceive time? It's like a sort of a interesting conversation about how, uh, humans per humans perceive things logarithmically instead of, instead of linearly, which means that in order for you to notice something has, in order for you to get to notice that, uh, like a doubling of quality you actually have to get like a 10x quality increase if you're talking about like graphics cards and stuff like that very interesting
1: it does sound interesting
0: yeah it really puts a perspective in like all the things that you're buying i mean it's not going to like prevent me from spending money and buying all the new stuff yeah, it just make, it makes me me pause when I'm like I, if I'm only going to get like an incremental increase, it's like, uh maybe it's not worth the $500. Right? Yeah, cuz then it's like, okay, is is it really worth the difference in uh in price to get, for example, the 2070 Nvidia graphics card new one that's coming out versus the 2080 or the 2080 Ti?
1: I don't know. I hear there's not even that much of a jump compared to what their marketing was saying yeah which
0: that means that you're really not going to see the difference yeah that one's really interesting because it all depends on what you are what you're basing it against right so if you're basing it if you're saying like a if it's like a 1080 versus a 2080 then the performance improvement is about 50 percent, i think is what they i we started seeing in the benchmarks but uh what they were, they're talking about like the ray tracing stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, ah, the other thing doesn't even have ray tracing. So. Wait, are they saying that the 2070 doesn't even have ray tracing? Is that what you just no, said? No, I'm saying like they're comparing how a 1080 does ray tracing versus how a 2080 does ray tracing. Well, of course, the 2080 does better. Oh. It's fucking designed to do it. <laughs> like how does it do it comparatively well one doesn't have it so off right and then the other one has it i don't understand i made this it entire graphic 100 improvement mitch <laughs> remember when we had the graphic at the at the keynote that said rts on <laughs> or RTX, rtx on there you go it's pretty good that was your that was your comparison yeah. i got it. it makes a lot of sense to me now rtx on so yeah i hope that uh i hope microsoft does something good with obsidian and these game companies that they buy it'd be nice to have some stuff because like it'd be nice to have some cool stuff that comes out that's more cross platformy that actually like i'd buy stuff from the microsoft store if it's a good game why not right well and i i'm really excited if they continue down the path of uh, making games that are compatible with windows 10 and because then like, just like they did with sea of thieves, right? They came out with this game, sea of thieves and side note. Oh, by the way, if you have windows 10, you can just get this on the, on the Microsoft store, which is great because now it it makes it so that I don't even need an Xbox, but I can still play their games. I can still support them. I can still support their developers, but I don't need a, buy Xbox every couple of years when they come out with a new one. Yeah, and I think that was a like, I don't think Sea of Thieves necessarily was a good game, but I think the way they released it was a pretty good proof of concept for what they could do with games in the future. Yeah, I agree. Although I didn't hear that Sea of Thieves is re- has released a bunch more content and it's supposed to be better now. Is it? Dude, I think I think they No Man's Sky did. I think they've done exactly what like every game has done in the last like, I don't know. It's got to be the last like five years, man. Every game, it gets released and then it is like it's about it's about a year. It's until the definitive edition comes out, quote, quote that's that's when you should play the game because then they actually have the content that they had planned on from the beginning, kind of thing. You know it's kind of interesting too, because you you would think that uh when you release a game that either doesn't have the content you that you promised or that doesn't live up to the expectations that are out that because sales tank that you know within the first couple months of release. And and then sure, you know, they pick back up afterwards when you release the content, if you're able to release the content, assuming that, you know, that title doesn't get pulled from your dev staff. Yeah, because I but, mean, if you think about it, the problem is the player base dies and then then where are you? Oh, I released this new expansion, but everyone's already moved on to the next best thing. Right. You think that, you know, developers would see that and. I guess it's not uh, development companies, right? Would see that and stop trying to push these games to market so fast. Yeah. Like you should hit it. They should be releasing the game with the content, with the full content, like the full experience. They should be, they should be looking for a kind of experience that they want. And if it isn't there yet, like don't release the game yet. Don't try yeah. to hit it. I will. I will say, I think that that is one thing. In my opinion, that Blizzard does pretty well, um, because I think it would have been easy for them to come out and within the last couple years, and say, you know, give trailers or give something about uh, like Diablo Four. But oh, you mean the mobile what they game? have? Yeah, but what they have. Isn't to isn't what they want, and isn't what they're liking, and they've gone through you know however many different different staffs and different iterations of what they're trying to develop, and nothing is you know, and it hasn't become what they want it to be. Which means, at least in that aspect, they are holding off uh, at, for uh, some part, right, to release a good game. Now, I mean, you'd hope at the, I, I would hope so, actually <laughs> but happening. then, but then I take a look at the the newest World of Warcraft expansion and that that, you know, philosophy goes out the drain, so I just think I I
1: think we're just seeing for that, I think we're just seeing the um effects of bureaucracy um for a company that, that's probably fended it off for a long time, but now they're now Big Daddy Activision's making more calls. And that's why you're seeing quality go come kinda of down. Because like Activision just did pull the fucking a fast one on people like they for example black ops 4 they did not have very many microtransactions for like the first 2 weeks the game came out to like have good reviews and now they're putting them in so
0: dude that is that is shitty bad. as fuck yeah. like i mean i guess if they if they released it with all the all the microtransactions that they planned on having right it would probably go the same way as uh battlefront the way EA did? Yeah. But that's kind of, that's really shady holding back microtransactions just to release them later. Well, I mean, it's
1: kind of, it's shady, but it's also smart. They're like, oh, look what happened to Battlefront. So let's not do that for like the first two weeks.
0: Yeah, but like what you learn from that is let's not do that. Like I mean, stop there. Don't add the, for the next two weeks. I mean, are the microtransactions Don't add a time gate to it. Are the microtransactions stuff that is like gameplay affecting or is it like cosmetic crap? Um,
1: there's, there are some gameplay affecting things, but they're really minor. It's mostly cosmetic, but, uh, apparently to get, you can, it would take 250 hours of gameplay to even get like the first tier of stuff.
0: Right. So there is a way to get it for free. It just is ridiculously, it's ridiculously
1: hard. Yeah.
0: I guess it's like, I don't know. Like I've never. Like, I've never been one. I I never get pulled into the the microtransactions in games, typically. Because it's like, oh my god, there's this really cool hat. Oh, it costs a dollar? No. (laughs) Like, all right. Like, it doesn't do anything. Like, if it doesn't affect gameplay, I guess I don't really have a problem with it much. Although, for something like Call of Duty, like Black Ops 4, it's like, Jesus! You spent sixty dollars on the game, and now there's already things where you have to spend more money. It's like give give people a little bit of a rest. Well, and that's and I, I kind of like the um, free to play scenario for that, right? Because like you can look at uh, like Fortnite. Fortnite is a completely free to play game. They have microtransactions, but all the microtransactions are cosmetic. There isn't anything in there that affects gameplay. Yeah, and, and so you know you can have someone that you can go in there and if you want to play Fortnite you could play Fortnite for free and never spend a dime uh but then you also have people that spend lots of money in there because they want to get the you know experience boost packs to level the character up and and uh you know get the achievements or whatever and and make their character look cool and instead of using a, an axe you know right now i think there's like an NFL packs where you use a field goal post as your weapon, nice. So that's a thing.
1: Well, what lo- one thing a lot of people are bitching about with the Black Ops thing is how bad the random loot box is. So, like one Twitch streamer spent one thousand dollars on the microtransactions and didn't even get all of the stuff. He got so many duplicates of the same thing, and they apparently don't have a like a system like Overwatch where you get like money for dupes. Holy crap! Yeah, so he spent a thousand dollars and still didn't get everything that the game has to offer microtransaction wise. That's pretty funny. See, like, um, I I like the league method, even though I don't play league. Um, if I see a skin, just let me buy the skin, I, don't, I shouldn't have to get it from a random thing, or at least with Overwatch. If I get a duplicate box thing, I get money, I get like in game currency to buy the thing I want,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, like, even Overwatch I, or not Overwatch League, the you could say the microtransactions are gameplay affecting because you have to get the characters with the, the, the runes
1: and right. the back in the day it used to be the runes.
0: Yeah. So like Overwatch and more like Dota Two is probably the model that's most pure like free to play where microtransactions don't affect gameplay, right? Yeah.
1: But that's insane, but, though. A guy spent $1,000 and he still didn't get everything the game has to offer.
0: Oh, it's super crazy. Like, I, I just feel like you should go one way or the other. Like, if you're going to add that level of microtransactions in the game where it's just like, ha ha, buy, 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 buy. And like, like, it's your game needs to be not priced as a triple A title. Like, you can't, you can't be making people buy it for $60 and then like the day that they log in, they're like, Oh my God, I want that skin. Oh, I have to pay 20 bucks. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's super shitty. I agree. It would have been if the game was like 30 bucks or 40 bucks and they did that, I could see it. Yeah. But or like, not, um, not 60. One that you actually pay for that does that was, uh, uh, CS like CSGO is like what, like $14 it goes on sale all the time. And it has like the microtransaction thing for like the little crates that with the keys that you can buy or whatever. And that, Oh yeah. And you can get the weapon skins. Yeah, and, stuff. and like, I mean, the one thing that's cool about that is there's also a marketplace that you can sell those if you get a really good one. But so I think that's one part that Steam, uh valve has really figured out. Yeah, because does Valve takes a cut out of the marketplace oh, yeah. sales, right? I just I don't remember oh, how yeah. much. It's ten percent. Oh, okay. Ten percent. Uh, it might be higher than that. It's it's in amount of percent. Uh, but yeah, they so <laughs> you buy a key, and then you get something, and it's something that somebody else wants. So you sell it, and then you get Steam credit, and the other person has to pay real money for it. And then now Valve gets another ten percent of that sale off of just like nothing, right? Like it's magic. Magic. Pixie Dust. Loot crates. Yeah, those are the best type of loot crates. Yep. I like those. That was good. I don't know. I, I think Overwatch did a really good job with their uh, with their system. Cause you can you can definitely get everything that you want by just playing the game. Uh, right, like just by getting the loot boxes by playing the game. But then you can also buy a r- bunch of random loot boxes if you want to. But um the currency, but everything's cosmetic. The The biggest thing there is that one, there's currency for duplicates and that nothing affects the gameplay. It's all cosmetic. And that's the most important part, I think.
1: That's going to be yeah. the defining factor going forward for sure. Um, but I think that's why, like we talked about last week, the reason why people were so mad about Diablo Immortal is because the mobile market has been, has been notoriously pay to win. So that's what people get pissed off about. So developers need to figure that out. Like, yeah.